Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Lessons from the Resurrection of Lazarus. What I want to do this morning is more along the lines of expository teaching than topical teaching, which is what I normally do. Kind of like last week's Christmas story unpacked, only this week we're going to talk about the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. It won't be a verse-by-verse teaching because I don't feel the need to comment on every verse, but as we read this heartwarming and fascinating story, I think you'll find that there are lessons we can learn that can be applied to our current life and to the life that is to come. Lessons of hope when all hope seems lost. Lessons of faith for a bright future regardless of what the circumstances seem to say. Amen. Let's begin reading John chapter 11 at verse 1. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. John chapter 11 starting at verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now this is a reference to Mary anointing the feet of Jesus with precious and costly ointment, which happened in the house of Simon the leper in the city of Bethany. You can read about that in John chapter 12, verse 3, and also Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And if you do a little study, you find out that Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and Simon the leper were all close friends of Jesus, and he loved them all dearly. And I'm pretty sure that Simon the leper was no longer a leper, but was healed and whole because of the healing ministry of Jesus, I'm pretty sure That's how they met. But one of the things that jumps out at me is that Jesus had acquaintances. He had friends and he had close friends beyond the attachments formed with his disciples. So I think sometimes we get the impression that Jesus was too holy to have really close friends like this. But the Bible paints a completely different picture. Not only did Jesus live an abundant life, but he paid the price for the rest of us to live an abundant life as well. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that includes having an active social life. And Jesus was evidently very involved in the lives of those who were close to his heart. Verse 3. Therefore the sisters sent to him, that is to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And you find out later that the gravity is such that they're not just talking about a little sick. They're talking about he's sick and he's dying. Lazarus' two sisters sent word to Jesus, who evidently was some distance away, that their brother and his close friend was sick. 
And evidently, he was sick unto death. Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Amen. I want you to take note of something very important here. I believe Jesus knew through a word of knowledge that Lazarus was sick unto death. Nevertheless, he made a proclamation, he made a decree, and he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it will end in the glorification of my Father God. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So let me get this straight. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus so much That when he heard Lazarus was sick unto death, he waited two more days before he came to see him. Jesus is thinking a lot different than we do. Amen? He's already seen the end from the beginning, and he's operating from that perspective. Verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, And after that, he said to them, listen to this, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples, clueless that they were, said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly or bluntly, Okay, guys, Lazarus is dead. What Jesus was trying to say to his disciples was that from his perspective, Lazarus was not dead. He was merely sleeping. It was a euphemistic way of saying that he was dead without actually saying he's dead. If you remember, he said the same thing about Jairus' daughter in Matthew 5, 39. When he saw all the mourners wailing and weeping over this young daughter, he said, don't wail, don't weep. The daughter is only sleeping. She's not dead. And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. But Jesus had the last laugh. He put all of them out. And it was only him and... Peter, James, and John, and the parents of the daughter, and he raised her from the dead. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Jesus is always operating from a perspective much higher than ours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So Jesus says, Lazarus is asleep. All I'm going to do is I'm going to go wake him up. But they didn't get it, so he had to bluntly tell them, Lazarus is dead. Let's pick it up at verse 15. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. What an odd thing to say. I'm glad I didn't make it in time to stop his death. That you might believe. Again, Jesus knows the end from the beginning. He's already seen what the Father has said. Remember, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I hear my Father say. So he and the Father had already communed and had already decided that Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. So his perspective was completely different than everybody else's. Jesus waited on purpose to give Lazarus time to die. And then he says, I'm glad I didn't make it here on time so you can believe, so you can really see that I am the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter that I'm late. I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to see that. Verse 16, this is hilarious. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. In other words, if Lazarus is dead, let's all go be dead together with him. Amen. What a totally random, silly thing to say. Just shows that the disciples just weren't in tune with what Jesus was thinking and seeing. (laughs) you know maybe it's because thomas and the other disciples knew that it was dangerous for them to travel back to judea so he says let's all go together so we can all die with lazarus some noble purpose we're all gonna die verse 17 so when jesus came he found that he had already been in the tomb four days Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Evidently, from the perspective of Mary and Martha, four days was past the point of no return. There was even a Jewish belief that the spirit of a dead person would hang around the body for three days, and after that, it would go to paradise or Hades, depending on whether they were righteous or unrighteous. After three days, people's bodies would begin to decay. If you remember the two people Jesus had already raised from the dead, they were raised up the same day that they died without decomposing at all. Now we've got a completely different scenario here. So from the viewpoint of the Jews who were there watching, 
Jesus had to summon the spirit of Lazarus back from paradise or Hades, depending on whether he was righteous or unrighteous, and he had to heal the decayed body before it could be raised from the dead. All considered impossible in Jewish teaching of that day. This is why everybody had this collective mindset that you're too late. Verse 22. This is Martha speaking to Jesus. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So Martha musters a wee bit of faith and tells Jesus, I know whatever you ask of God, God's going to give it to you. I don't know how this is going to work because everything I've been taught is this is an impossible situation. You can raise the dead, but you can't raise somebody who's been dead four days. It's never been done before. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I love this part because it makes it clear that the Jews of Jesus' day were well taught about the resurrection of the dead, which will occur at the end of this current age we're living in. It was one of their core beliefs as a nation, and she immediately believes that Jesus is referring to that day. The day when we will receive glorified, immortal, incorruptible bodies, just like the one Jesus is currently living in right now. The Bible says he was the firstborn of many brethren. Our glorified body, I like to think about it like this, is waiting for us in a showroom in heaven. Amen. And one day we will retrieve it, and what a glorious day that will be. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what I think Martha was saying, what her mindset was. You're late, Jesus. You could have stopped this. You could have prevented this. If only you had showed up on time. Yes, I know that he will rise again in the last day, but I need him alive now, not then. I need my brother back now. Jesus was undeterred. Jesus said to her, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? With these powerful words, I believe Jesus was saying to Martha, I can raise him up now and I can raise him up at the last day because I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. At this point, it appears that Martha's faith is set, and she's believing for a miracle. Verse 28, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. 
Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Again, we see that Mary had the same response that Martha had when she saw Jesus. You're late, Jesus. You could have stopped this. You could have prevented this if only you had been here on time. Verse 33, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And this verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the New Testament. Jesus wept, very succinct, at the sight of the grave and all of his friends and relatives mourning for Lazarus, who had been dead four days. And from their perspective, there was no coming back after four days. There was no raising of the dead in such a scenario. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? See, they're all still oriented towards stopping his death. None of them have a resurrection mindset at this point. With the possible exception of Martha, who's beginning to wake up to something wonderful is going to happen here. Verse 38, then Jesus, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. In other words, she was worried about the stink, you know, instead of thinking about a miracle. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Let me read that again. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So when exactly did the Father hear Jesus in this story? This used to puzzle me until one day I figured it out. There's at least four places that I can find in chapter 11 where Jesus said something that the Father heard or was groaning in the Spirit. And the father heard. Number one, once in verse four, when Jesus made the proclamation or the decree, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He said that, and the father heard that, and they were prophetically in line together. 
this is what the Father had showed him, and he was merely saying it out of his mouth, the things that he heard the Father say, and he was seeing with his eyes the things that the Father showed him concerning Lazarus. Number two, once in verse 11, when Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I am going to wake him up. The Father heard that too. Then once in verse 33, when he groaned in the spirit, Psalm 42, verse 7, I think it says, the psalmist says, Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your water spouts, O God. There's a place in the spirit where the deepest part of your heart communes with the deepest part of God's heart. And there's a linking and there's a communication that's like no other. I believe it is an Old Testament type. Of praying in the Holy Ghost. Jesus groaned in the spirit at the sight of the tomb of Lazarus. And God Almighty heard his groans. And then once again in verse 38. When he groaned within himself. What is within the self of Jesus at this point? The spirit of the living God. He groaned within himself. Where God could hear him. Because God lived on the inside of him. Amen. And he heard the groaning of Jesus' spirit. Amen. So again, at least four places where Jesus said something or uttered something in the mystical realm of the spirit that God heard loud and clear. Now, my son, we're on the same page. This is nothing more than just executing what we've already seen and we've already been talking about. Verse 42. Again, he continues to talk to the Father. Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, I'm externally communicating right now for their benefit. But you and I have already talked about this. We have already settled this. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now this is a bit of a side issue, a side note, but it's worth exploring for a few minutes. I believe verse 44 is a type of the born again experience. And it's worth touching on for a few minutes here. When a person gets born again, they become a new creation in Christ on the inside, in their spirit man. But they still have their flesh, their soul, and their body to deal with that have to be trained and disciplined by the Word of God. That's what those bandages, that's what those strips of burial cloths represented. All the things that he used to walk in, all the imperfections, all the lifestyle choices that he made which were not pleasing to God. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. It's up to us as mature believers when someone uh, gets born again that's in our circle of influence, we need to help them get loose and get free. Because just because they got born again doesn't mean that they're instantly 
delivered from all of the things that they struggled with before they got born again. Loose them and let them go. Amen? That's part of discipleship. Help them. You know, we've all got baggage that we brought into our born-again experience. Isn't that right? And it's just up to us and people mentoring us to help us work it out. Amen. Now, before I wrap this up, I want to circle back and touch on the concept I raised concerning the feeling that we all get from time to time that God is too late to help us out of our particular set of circumstances. Am I right or wrong? There are too many things that have happened that make it impossible for him to intervene. Just like Mary and Martha, we cry out, You're late, Jesus. You could have stopped this. You could have prevented this. If only you had showed up on time. It's past the point of no return where God will be unable to intervene. If only you had showed up on time and worked your miracle working power. Listen, when you feel that way, and we all do from time to time, I encourage you to discipline your mouth and make a proclamation like Jesus did concerning the resurrection of Lazarus. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Listen, substitute whatever problem or situation you're dealing with at this time. And no matter how impossible it may seem, say something different than what you're tempted to say. My finances are not going south, but they're going north for the glory of God. That the Son of God may be glorified in my life. How's that for a confession? My relationships are not falling apart, but God is healing and restoring and bringing resurrection life to all of them. How about this one? This election crisis will be resolved for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it all, and righteousness, truth, and justice will prevail in America. Even though things look dead, God is able to raise them up and turn them around by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Even though 2020 has been a rough year, we look forward to 2021, a year of restoration and resurrection life for our families, for our church, for our nation. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, Lessons from the Resurrection of Lazarus. If you were blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us. 
on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.